0: hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Your ears will hear a voice where? Behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. I almost named this sermon, This is the way. I thought some of you uh, might think I stole that from Disney, so I didn't say it that way instead we're going to talk about a summer road trip that means the most important thing for us to use to plan our trip are the words of Jesus because he's standing behind us telling us this is the way the teachings of Jesus teach us the miracles of Jesus instruct us the parables that he told the sermons that he preached the way Jesus responded to other people the sacrifices that Jesus made we are taught That this is the way to go and when we make our plans for our trip according to his example we know that we are headed the right way he gives us his word he gives us the Holy Spirit and he gives us a good church and he's doing all of that because he wants us to be directed on our trip he never intended for you to wander aimlessly he wanted you to be able to hear his word and know this is the way walk in it as a matter of fact Isaiah said he's standing behind you he's not left your side he hasn't gotten too far down the road He didn't run off and leave you he's standing right behind you saying this is the way if you go left He's going to tell you where to go if you go right he's going to tell you where to go Some of y'all that ought to excite Because I know that when I had wandered off of the path I still heard the voice of God saying you're going the wrong way Y'all not going to help me Yeah, some of the folks that are getting baptized today uh, uh, aren't getting baptized for the first time. They're getting baptized over. Why? Because they started down the wrong path, and they heard the voice saying, this is the way, and they made a correction, and they want to publicly display today that I got back in line with His Word. Amen. So I believe that the last 16 months that we have suffered through has acted as a high beam spotlight. And it has exposed a lot of flaws and weaknesses in individuals in our nation and to be honest in the church and one big question that I want to answer for you today before we enter into this baptism ceremony is what does it really mean for somebody to be a Christian it seems simple enough right as a matter of fact that was a question that 20 years ago I would have never asked in a church but the word Christian has gotten so convoluted in the world that we live in today and it's such a mixed bag of emotions and facts and things that are not correct mixed in with things that are truth, that it doesn't really seem for me that when somebody tells me they're a Christian that I even know what they mean because a lot of people call themselves Christians but their life does not line up with what I think a Christian is supposed to live like So before we get into the dunking pool and I I baptize people, I want to slow down and ask this one simple question. What does it really mean to be a Christian? I want to talk about the story of Jesus' own baptism. I told you if we're going to learn how to go on a summer road trip and it's a spiritual journey, I want to talk to the one who's already made the trip. So Jesus' baptism has to teach us some things here before we can implement them in our own lives. Baptism is simply this, a public display of something that has already privately happened in the heart. That's what water baptism is. A person first gets born again, and they put their faith in Jesus as their Savior. And at baptism, that is an outward picture or a demonstration of the change that has already taken place. Now, now I'm not going to be washing anybody's sins away. The sins are already washed away. Jesus did that on Calvary. As a matter of fact, water baptism don't even change your life. Because I've seen enough folks go through the water. I've baptized somewhere a couple hundred people in my ministry. I've watched people go down a, a, a dry center and come up a wet one. I've baptized a couple of dry devils and just turned them into wet devils. So I just want you to know that putting you into the water doesn't wash away anything because that job was already done. That before you ever get into the water, you should have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and that work is already finished. Now we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at Jesus' baptism. Now I want to put a preface here because we know that Jesus didn't have any sins to wash away. Amen. He lived a sinless life. So he didn't need to change anything on the inside of him because the Bible says he was sinless. But he still left us an example to follow. Mark chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah. Stop right there. Jesus who? The Messiah. Hold on to that. Put a pin in it because when I get to the end of these 11 verses, that's going to be important. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written look i'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will here it is again prepare your way this is the way walk in it he is a voice shouting in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord's coming clear the road for him this messenger was john the baptist he was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to god to be forgiven of Judea including all the people of Jerusalem went out to see and hear John and when they confessed their sins he baptized them in the Jordan River his clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist for food he ate locusts and wild honey which is totally normal for breakfast what kind of a preacher is this camel hair locusts and wild honey John announced someone is coming soon who is greater than I so much greater than I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River as Jesus came up out of the water he saw the heavens splitting open and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove and the voice from heaven said You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. I love how Mark tells Jesus' story. Of all the Gospels, I always point you when you first get saved and get into the, uh, the Word, you want to read the Word, I always point you to John. But I personally, of the four Gospels, love Mark. The reason I love Mark is because he hits the ground running. Mark had one ambition. He wanted to tell everybody about the miracles Jesus had performed, the power that Jesus walked in. That was Mark. He's got the shortest gospel, but he puts more facts about Jesus' power than any of the other gospels. As a matter of fact, Mark's gospel was the first gospel that was written. He was probably the source material that Luke and Matthew, possibly even John, pulled from in order to write their testimonies. Because Mark gets right into the action. Mark's not talking about John starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. In the beginning, there was nothing that was created without him, and all things that were created was created. No, no, no. He's starting in eternity past. Mark jumps right into it. He went down to the water, and heaven split open. I mean, this is the way Mark tells the story. Mark's like me. He don't want to get too lost in the weeds and the theology and the dogma. He wants to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes the lame... walk he makes the blinded eyes to see he he makes a way where there ain't no way let me tell you about my day this is what mark does and 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 so John the Baptist is basically the last of the Old Testament prophets John the Baptist locust legs sticking out from between his teeth while he's preaching John the Baptist a wild man big old bushy beard leather leather belt holding up his camel hair Y'all think I look funny. He got a camel hair coat on up there preaching, and he had one message. you think some of my stuff was repetitive. He had one message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's the only thing John preached. And he's like the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he's announcing that this Messiah is coming. Now, I want you to understand something. He gets the name John the what? Baptist but he did not invent baptism as a matter of fact baptism was in full effect down at the synagogue Jewish people baptized people all the time so baptism was not a new invention but they were doing it as a ritual I have baptized people for 20 years that have came to me and said I was baptized as a baby I was baptized as a little kid I was baptized here but it didn't mean nothing to me and I say well then do it again And the reason is because when you are going through it as a ritual, that is totally different than you going through it as a decision. And that's what John the Baptist was talking about. John the Baptist said, hey, look, if you're going to go through the ceremony, if you're going to go through the ritual, if you're going to get your Sunday up, do wet then it ought to at least be that there has been a change that has taken place on the inside of you it should not just be a ceremony it should not just be that you are doing something for the pomp and the circumstance but it ought to testify that there has been repentance and a change and you have changed course and changed direction and your life was going this way but you heard a voice saying this is the way walk in it and you responded to the voice he said, if you're going to go through it, at least make it mean something. That was the difference between John the Baptist and all the other priests down at the temple. The other priests didn't care if there was a change. They just wanted to put you under. John the Baptist said, if I'm going to get your hair wet, let's make it mean something. So he took the common practice of baptizing and gave it a specific meaning. And the meaning is important for you to know today anyone who gets baptized has already repented of their sins. so john clarified that his baptism in water was nothing compared to the baptism that jesus was about to give him because he was coming with fire baptizing jesus was a big deal john didn't want to do it when you read the story in matthew you'll find out john at first said no and Jesus, in, in, he was adamant that John baptized. And I'm going to go back to what I told you. Jesus the Messiah. It was important for John to baptize Jesus because every outgoing priest had to baptize a new incoming priest. This was the demarcation of the Old Testament giving way to the New Testament. John the Baptist's daddy was a Levite. John the Baptist was in the lineage of Aaron. He was a priest. For him to baptize Jesus was not washing away Jesus' sins because Jesus had none to wash away. What he was actually doing was giving a public proclamation that where Jesus has been is not where Jesus is going. What he's been doing is what he, not what he's going to continue to do. He came in one way, but he's leaving another. And your baptism says the same thing. You came in one way, but you're going to walk another. You have heard the voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's what baptism does. Baptism is a, is a line of demarcation where you your sins are already washed away. You've already repented of your sins, but now you are making a public decree that I walked in here one way, I'm going to walk out of here another way. I've been going the wrong way too long. So so we follow Jesus's example of getting baptized because we are publicly expressing that something new is beginning in our lives yeah something new is beginning which is a strange way to initiate new changes because like when you start a new job they don't dunk you in the water When, when my Hannah's, my Hannah's uh, leaving uh, Weir Middle and going to Weir High School. You know, the freshmen don't get dunked. I, I mean, some of the boys do in the bathroom, but that's another summer for another time. But I mean, when, you, when you walk into a Walmart and you say, you know what, I've never been to this store before. They don't take you in the back and dunk you. It's a strange way to initiate somebody into a new walk. To put them in a walk. But that's what makes baptism so spectacular because it's different than the world would do the world wouldn't handle things this way the world would not proclaim things this way they would have you sign a paper they would have you fill out forms they would put you on a monthly payment plan y'all are going to help me but when jesus instructs us to follow his example it's because baptism is a way for us to show the world that this is a distinct thing i'm doing this is not like what e- anything else that you have been initiated into, this is not that. This is not a new cell phone that has come out. This is not a new internet provider. This is not a new uh, theme park with a new roller coaster. No, no, no. All of that stuff has its place, but this is not that. (laughs) This is not my my favorite uh, concert that I go to. This is not my sports team that I root for. That's all got its place, but this is not that. This is something that you ain't going to find nowhere else. This is a part of my life that is reserved for one person. It is an audience of one. It won't make sense to you. It don't look like anything that you are doing on this earth, but I promise you that I'm not the same person I was before I made this commitment. And that's why this is different. When we follow Jesus, which we publicly announce with our baptism, we're entering into a whole new life. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, you're entering into a new life when you get baptized. Because this is one of your first stops on your spirit road trip. Look at what Romans chapter 6 says about it. Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in what? New life. I don't care what point you are in your spiritual journey, this is an exit on your summer road trip. When you get baptized, something new is about to happen. See, see, Jesus didn't have no sins. Some people say, well, if I get baptized, uh, people think I'm sinning. Jesus didn't have no sins to wash away. What John was declaring was, he came in one way, but he's leaving another. Something new was happening in Jesus. He came here as a carpenter. He's leaving as Messiah. He came into the water, the son of Mary. He's leaving as the Lord of the universe because he is the Messiah. I'm baptizing him, telling the world, testifying to everybody on these banks and everybody that will read these scriptures that Jesus' life took a turn at <laughs> baptism. And somebody needs to hear this this morning. Your life is about to take a turn after this moment somebody give God praise Now, now look what Paul said he said that we were buried baptized into his death so the image of baptism is that my life becomes buried in his life it means in order for you to see me, you got to look through him. Don't miss this. I died in that water and found newness of life. That's why when Paul says that I'm dead, but I live, nevertheless, not I, but Christ who lives within me, he was actually talking about I have sacrificed me on the altar of prayer so that I can live forever for him and if you're gonna find me you're gonna have to look through him to get to me that's why every single person ought to hide themselves so deeply in Jesus that in order for him to even ask you for a date he's got to look right into Jesus in order to even find your phone number somebody ought to give God praise So what does it mean to be a Christian? I asked the question. I didn't answer it. What does it mean to be a Christian? Number one, publicly identifying the death of Christ on the cross for your sins. Number two, publicly proclaiming that I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Number three, publicly committing to live the rest of his life as his follower. I don't see anything in there about what church to join. I don't see anything in there about whether you should have long hair or short hair. I don't see anything in there about whether we should sing hymnals or hill song. I don't see anything in there whether we should wear three-piece suits or Under Armour pants. I, I don't see none of that in there. What I find is if I publicly identify that Jesus died and rose again and that I'm going to dedicate my days to serving Him and following Him. I'm saved. Somebody ought to give God praise right there. I just took a big old yoke of bondage off of somebody and threw it into the fire. See, I walked under that for a long time. I came up in the old church, the old legalistic church, where everything was a sin and we weren't ever supposed to smile. Oh, I'm just an old sinner along this pilgrim way. Well, who wants to join that team? Even Jesus wasn't like that. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. If you're a Christian, you ought to have something to rejoice about. So so, what does it mean to be a Christian? I'm going to profess Christ. I'm going to follow Christ. And what does that life look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. It looks like a lot of things. Number one, walking in fellowship with him. Caring about what God cares about. Let me just stop right there. Let me just stop right there. I don't have time to go on the soapbox. But if, if this last 16 months gave the church a black eye any, uh, over anything, it's, it showed that too many church folks don't care about other people. They, they, they care about their opinion more than they care about souls. They they care about proving a point more than they care about people getting out of hell because sometimes, listen to me church, sometimes I just got to shut my mouth so I can maybe save a soul out of hell. Because I would rather you think, I would rather you not know how I vote, but I want you to know in whom I have believed. When the disciples came to Jesus, tried to get Jesus to get political, Jesus said, that's not my kingdom. I'm not here to so caring about what God cares about. How about this? Following his commandments. I'm not going to let you off the hook. He says that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yeah. So, so so it's not all about saying a prayer and jumping in a tank. You got to you got to believe that he has told you the way and you're going to walk in it. Amen. Following his example being love to the world around us. This is what a Christian is. It ha- I see nothing on here about you having a fish on your car. Uh, You've you got a, a scripture tattooed on your body. Uh, You've you got, you got, uh, you got a sign in your bathroom that says all things are possible. That's fine. It's fine that you did all that. But a devil can do that and, and so it, Jesus said you're gonna you're gonna love my word and follow my word if you're one of mine you're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to change your character you're gonna share the good news with other people uh, let me say that again don't just share the news share the good news with other people and I'm not even going to name all the other news as you could be and some of you are sharing. But don't worry about sharing that so much. Share the good news. The good news is Jesus loves everybody, wants to save everyone, and died for us all. Share the good news. And last but not least, saved people want to serve people. So serving other people is an example that I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I, I'm not because I'm not living selfishly. My life got buried in Jesus' life. It's a long trip. This summer road trip, listen, I only have to pack a few items if I'm going for a day. But I'm trying to make it to eternity. I'm trying to make it through however long God leaves me here and then all the way through eternity. That's a long trip. So before I take any long trip, there's some things that I have to check first. I'm gonna go on a long summer road trip my journey your journey is spiritual but before we take a long journey we better check some stuff first number one if you're gonna go on a long summer trip there's a couple things on your car that needs to be in good working order I'm gonna take those things and I'm gonna correlate them to your spirit before you take this long spiritual journey how's your engine see you know how important the engine of your car is nobody in here, will, I, I looked at the parking lot before I came in and ain't none of y'all driving Fred Flintstones it's important that your engine work properly in your car, why? because you're not going anywhere unless you park on a hill, some of y'all, I can tell the ones that know how to drive a stick shift, if you, if you ever had to learn how to park on a hill So, you could drift start that bad boy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There, for a minute, I thought I was in the wrong church. I thought I was amongst a bunch of rich people. Some of y'all that know what it means when a pressure plate goes out, you got to park on a slope somewhere so you can drift start. Anywhere I went in my little Datsun, I had to make sure I was parked on a slope or I had some able bodied friends around that could help push me out to the street to. Jump start that thing so uh, those of you that never had manual transmissions you don't know what we're talking about you think you just pull the lever and it goes but it, all of the cars ain't like that but how is your engine you won't go anywhere without your engine working properly and your heart is your engine and you're not going anywhere even if you get baptized if your heart's not right Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 tells us to guard our hearts. Why? Because out of it, everything in life flows. All issues of life flows out of the heart because your heart is your engine. Secondly, if your engine is good, you've got to make sure your transmission shifts right. You know what your transmission is in charge of? Progress see your transmission is important if you plan to move forward an engine can be in good working order but without a working transmission you're going to make a lot of noise but not have any progress your engine can rev and rev and rev and get loud and run up a bunch of RPMs but if you don't ever get put into gear so you need to check on your spirit life from time to time and make sure that you don't have no dead grass up under your tires You need to ask yourself, have I moved forward? Have I followed Jesus since this time last year? Some of you may even need to look back at the date of your salvation and find out. I said a prayer, but have I moved forward? Have I went anywhere? Has there been any progress in my life? Since I got saved in this past year, since COVID, saved people move forward. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Well, if you didn't like that one, you won't like this one when I was a kid we had conditioned air in our house and in the car and by that I mean whatever condition the air was outside it was the same condition inside I didn't know what air conditioning was in our house we had a screen door and an open window and mom would say open the window let the draft through and she acted like that was a polar vortex and it's a hundred degrees outside and she thought because it was 98 in the house it's chilly and we didn't have no air conditioning we had box fans sitting in big old windows y'all not going to help me now Uh, y'all rich y'all rich folks always grew up spoiled we had box fans and a and a screen door our door was never shut in the summertime we had a screen door with one of these little hooks on it that latched and that was our security system and if I ever wanted a beating, the quickest way for that to happen was to put my foot through that screen door because then the flies would start. y'all. The flies would get in the house. Or if I stood there too long with that door open like a mom caught me halfway out the door and I stopped and said, what would you? You shut that door. You're letting them. <laughs> She'd be beating me out the door. You're letting the flies. It. But I'm 47 years old. And it's 2021, and I'm spoiled. I don't want... Y'all talk about the good old days all you want to. I don't want to go back to that. Listen, I was potty trained in an outhouse and didn't know what air conditioning was until I was about 19 years old. I don't want to go back to sweaty outhouses. Talk about the good old days all you want to. I'm glad for air conditioning and indoor plumbing. And and, and so uh, when you start getting ready to go on a trip these days, in 2021 I'm spoiled I want to make sure that there's air conditioning in the car if it's hot outside because you can make a long trip a long trip if you don't have heat in the winter or air in the summer it makes the trip seem like it's three times longer than it should have so before you go on a long trip you need to check the temperature and make sure your temperature is bearable I want heat in the winter. I want air conditioning in the summer. It'll make my trip memorable for all the wrong reasons if it don't work right. And your spiritual temperature is your attitude. Philippians chapter two, verse five says that your attitude ought to be the same attitude Jesus had. What's it mean to be a Christian? It means I need to check to see what makes me hot. You, you you gotta you gotta make sure you got the right temperature because some of us can go t- from zero to 60 or we can go from 32 degrees celsius to a thousand degrees centigrade if we're not careful and that attitude is not that attitude is not christ's attitude what gets you hot what gets you riled up what gets your motor running and revving What is it that people say, do, or how they treat you that gets you all inspired to tell them about themselves? Because before you go on a long spiritual trip, you better make sure your thermostat's set right. Number four, before you go on a long spiritual summer road trip, you need to find out how much you got in the tank. Now, I'm not going to pick on women, but give me just a minute. Because I really did not know that it was against the law for women to put gas in a car. I did not know that. When I took my driver's test, did not study that section of the book. Found out much later in life that it is an unwritten law for women to put gas in a car, even if it's their car. Even if there's nobody else driving the car, they can invent a trip for you to take the car because it's almost out of gas. And oh, by the way, while you're out, fill up the tank. So before you take a long spiritual journey, you need to ask the question, how much do I have in my tank? Because if you want to keep making progress, you're going to have to keep adding fuel. Yeah. 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 That's what praise does. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I, can, I can stay right here for a minute because that's what Sundays are for. You wonder why we do all this. You wonder why they come and prepare and they have practice. You think it's just because they want to be seen on the stage. Let me tell you the reason that these people do what they do, the reasons I do what I do, is because every time you come in here, we're trying to fill up your tank. <laughs> I know what praise will do. When you top off your spiritual tank, I know how the devil shudders every time he sees you clap your hands. Every time he sees you wave your hands in victory, the devil hates it because a Christian who has committed themselves to Jesus Christ should never have to be begged to come to church. They should wake up on Friday and say, Hot dog, it's only two days away before I get to go get my tank filled up. Hey, a Christian ought to praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime, praise Him when the sun goes down. But here, and I, I, I could preach here all day, but I don't have time. Here's your next point. You know this pain at the fuel pump right now. Fuel is not free. It costs you something. Your praise didn't come free. Some of you wondering why your tank is almost on E and you expecting your husband to fill up. You, know, that's you wonder why your tank is on E. Can I tell you? It's not because you're in the wrong place. It's not because you're around the wrong folks. It's because before you can ever find out how to put it in there, you got to go through some stuff because it's going to cost you. Where did I get this shout from? I didn't get this shout because I learned it from another preacher. I didn't get this hand wave because you taught this to me. I came through some stuff. I battled my way through some wars when the devil thought he'd kill me. I came out and I was scarred and beat up. It cost me something, but bless God, I made it out. And I'm here to celebrate and represent the risen King of kings and the Lord of lords. So it's not free. It costs you something. You fill up on praise, and sometimes all you can do is weep, and those tears are praised to the Lord. And last but not least, or I'm sorry, next to last, you need to check your air pressure. Do you realize that everything above your tires is dependent on the air pressure? in your tires to hold up the whole trip my f-150 weighs 5,000 pounds and 35 pounds of air is holding up the whole thing hello and if air leaks out we're not going anywhere prayer is the air that you need Without enough prayer pressure, you're going to find yourself flat before too long. And here's what I have found. When I get a flat, it doesn't happen on Arrow Street in front of my house. When I get a flat, I'm about 1,500 miles away from my house on a back road somewhere. Ain't no gas station around. And I start hearing that sound of thubba, 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 and I know that it's going flat. And I've got just a little bit to get to an air pump somewhere somehow because it seems like the farther away from my comfort zone I am is where the flat shows up in my life and it will make me stuck if I don't get some air all because I leaked out what I needed the most. That's why some of you need to hear this. you got to quit drifting away from the house of prayer because the farther away you drift, the farther away you get, The farther, God's prayer is that you will come in. He said, I'm not going to ask you, Lord, to take them out of the world, but that you will keep them from the evil one. So you don't want to get too far away from the house of prayer or all that you have in you is going to leak out of you when you are out and too far away to Get help And last but not least, if I wrote this sermon 20 years ago, I'd had to say, "Check your map." <laughs> Ten years ago, I'd had to say, print out Google Maps." But today, it's listen to your GPS. You going to go on a long trip? and you don't know the way you need directions I picked on the women so fellas I ain't gonna leave you out I know in a congregation this size there's at least one brother that won't admit when he's lost I know exactly where I am no listen we've passed this same Shonies three times (laughs) don't be crazy woman I know exactly where I am we go up here and we take this next exit that's the same exit we took this time and we ended up in a big circle I know in a congregation this big there is at least one brother who has gotten lost and then Said you did it on purpose. <laughs> I just want to familiarize myself with the area. No better way to do that because my instincts I knew would get me where I want to go. My dad was awful. He thought he knew where everything was. People say, hey, we're going to go. We're going to go to this car show or this gun show in a town he's never been in. Oh, yeah, I'll get to. You want me to read the map i know where it is how do you know you ain't never been you don't even know if you're traveling the right direction but he thought he knew how to find every town that had ever existed in every podunk holler in west virginia and we found out before too long we'd have to pull over at some gas station he's going to go in to use the bathroom Really, he's in there going, hey, how'd I get back to the interstate for a minute? (laughs) We need to learn how to listen to the GPS. He stands behind me because he never wants to leave me by myself. He never wants me to stray too far. He stands behind me and he says, this is the way. And I don't know if this lands with anybody like it does with me because when you're buying buildings like this and moving churches and raising kids, there's been times that if I didn't know that I was following him, I would have quit. There were times that if I had not had been sure that I heard him tell me this is the way, I wouldn't have went that way because going that way is not always easy. Let me explain something to you before I get out of your way. Just because you're going the right way don't mean the right way is the easy way. As a matter of fact, sometimes it takes more grit more guts and more faith to walk the right way than it ever does to walk the easy way because the easy way is sometimes the door that stands wide open and everybody's on the other side saying come over here but you got to realize there's a reason they're all over there and you're over here because you're not going the same place. You're not going the same place. You're not ending up in the same location. You're not seeking the same thing. The reason they're over there is because that's the direction they're heading. But God's standing behind you saying, that ain't your way. I got something else for you. It's a long trip. It's a long trip. Listen, if you don't make it but to 65, 70, it's a long trip. But what happens when this trip is over It's even longer. So what you're doing now is setting yourself up for then this is the way walk in it and there's no doubt in my mind that somebody listening to me right now in a crowd this big there's some of you been listening to the wrong voices there is no doubt in my mind that some of you have heard this is the way because listen you have heard enough preaching to get right you've you've sang enough songs You've prayed enough prayers. You've posted enough scriptures on your Facebook. You, you've printed enough of them out and got them hanging on your house. You've, you've been exposed to the truth enough to be walking in the right way. So, why are you doing what you're doing? And why are you doing it that way? You heard the voice this is the way walk in it why are you going the other way so we're about to dismiss in a few minutes and go up to the pavilion I I invite all of you to come and share in the in the pleasure and the jubilation but before I go I got to ask the question are you going the right way it's a long it's a long trip you don't want to get too far away from how from the house and find out you didn't have enough air pressure or your temperature was off transmission goes out hey if you're not doing routine maintenance you're setting yourself up for failure that's why you come into the house of god on sundays we're going to help give you a tune-up and a fill-up while you're here you've heard the way this is the way this is righteous this is holy This is what I want for you. You've heard the voice saying, this is the way. So why are you going over here? And for every person in this room, whether you're getting baptized this morning or not, I just want to ask that question. Why are you heading that way? You've heard the voice. This is the way. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go on this summer road trip? Are you ready to go on this spiritual road trip? Are you ready to go? Because if you're not, you need to make that, uh, you need to shore it up right here and right now. Today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait another day. You don't have to wait another sermon. You don't have to watch another episode of of your favorite preacher. You don't have to wait until they play this song. You don't have to even wait until I invite you up to this altar. You just got to make up your mind. This is my moment. I know I'm going the wrong way. I know better than this. It's a long journey. I just gave you your checkup. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor so they don't think I'm mean. And just ask them a question Are you ready? Anybody else got a kid like mine where it doesn't matter how much time you give her to get ready, she's getting ready when you are ready to leave? Like, like you could give her 20 minutes or two weeks' notice and it don't make no difference. Does anybody know what that's like? Like, school's the same time every day, right? But I'm always sitting in the car waiting on her to get into the car and take her to school. There she is up there. Hey, baby girl. Like she could have two weeks' notice, twenty minutes notice, you're gonna get the same result. You'll be waiting on her. I feel like that as a pastor sometimes too. I've done enough gospel preaching. You ought to be walking in the way. This is the way. You've heard it over and over and over. This is the way. So I just want to know. I just want to know. We're getting ready to pull the bus out from the terminal. We're getting ready to go on this long trip with Jesus as our guide and the Holy Spirit driving the bus. We're going to our Father's house. And I just want to know, are you ready? Like I have to ask Hannah all the time, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I I have to ask you: are you ready? Are are you ready to go? Because if you're not, listen, it is a simple fix. It's so simple that it seems too simple. But I promise you, all you have to do is say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Savior. And I accept you as my Lord. And I will follow you all the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Pastor, it can't be that simple. I, the devil would love for you to believe it ain't that simple. But that one simple prayer will open the door for drug addicts to get free. That one simple prayer will open up blinded eyes. That one simple prayer will ensure your one-way ticket from this life to eternity. When you draw your last breath here, you'll draw your first breath there because he lived to save you. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to tell you, I'm on the first bus load out. If I fall over with a heart attack or the rapture comes before I get up there to baptize some folks, I'm going either way and I know where I'm going. My ticket is punched. My heart is light. I'm ready. I'm ready. Somebody that's ready, shout with me. I'm ready. Fill up your tank. If Jesus has saved you, give him some praise. hallelujah hallelujah the bible says that there is a sound in heaven that only redeemed people can make it's not just the words to some song there's a there's a song that you sing that nobody else the angels can't sing it the devil don't know the words to it only the redeemed of the lord knows the words when you are singing down here heaven is reverberating with the sound of redemption Jesus Christ is the Lord of all the heaven and all the earth that's why you need to get to the house get your tank filled you need to get your spiritual fill up every chance you get get pressure in your tires get your transmission set to forward because every time you come here that's what we're doing we're giving you a tune up and a fill-up. Because we're going to make it. Some of you with children that are lost and undone, prodigals that are running, they're going to make it too. Because the promises of God are yes and amen. And, and when he spoke that over your life, that not only you, but your house will be saved, you hold on to that. Because you might be running ahead of them, but he's working on them too. He, he worked on you to get you here. He's working on them. They're writing their testimony. They're writing the next chapter of their story, but you hold on to the promises of God because God, he is not a man that he should lie, and every promise is yes and amen to them who believe. Amen. amen. So here's what's going to happen. The ushers have been up there filling up the uh, baptismal pools up in the pavilion. Listen, if you're here and you're going to be baptized, um, stop by the guest services desk because there's a shirt out there for you uh, that you can wear now you can wear it later at the sound booth not the guest, guest services oh, I'm sorry, sorry. right here media booth okay it's <laughs> at the top of steps if you can't get to the top of steps we'll run it down to you uh, so we're gonna we're gonna meet up at the pavilion it'll be probably 10 or 15 minutes or so those of you that are church family we encourage you to go up there and, and this is one of the most special days uh, of the calendar year is when the church gets to baptize people in water. They need your support. They, they, that's what makes family family, moments like this. So go up there, we're going to pray, and maybe Sister Alicia will sing something a little a acapella because she likes, she likes to sing and God favors her to do that. If he favored me to do that, I, every time I got the microphone it would be like two hours long. So that's why I'm not a ten-talent person. I can't preach and sing because I'd, I'd either do all one and none of the other, or I'd just take all your days. So, uh, but, but we'll meet up at the pavilion. We'll get started probably in 10 minutes or so. So if everyone would make their way up there, God bless you this morning. I love you. If you can't make it, we, we appreciate you being here already. But until, the, until we see each other up there, God bless you.